Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Psalm 37 uh, verses 1 to 4 says this, A Psalm of David. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. The title of my message tonight is called The Secrets of My Success. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you help us to be people who know how to obtain all that you have for us. I thank you and praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 37 was written by King David and it was written by him when he was an old man. King David's kind of like a big deal. He's the second king of Israel, but he's also the most famous king in the history of Israel. In fact, Jesus Christ is referred to as the son of David. Even today, David is still referred to as being the most famous king in the history of Israel. He was a mighty warrior. Not only that, he was actually also a really cool songwriter and musician. How do we know this? Because many of the Psalms were written by David. So David David is a successful man. He rose from, the, from being a shepherd boy to being the king of Israel. And in the heart side of uh, Israelites, he's kind of very, very important. And he writes this at the end of his life. And basically, it's kind of like the synopsis of his life. He's kind of like writing Psalm 37 and indicating the things that helped him to obtain the destiny that God had for him. God has a destiny for every single one of us. Being a Christian is more than getting a ticket to heaven. God has things things that he has for us here and now. And there are five times in Psalm 37 where David says, if you do something, you'll inherit the earth. God actually wants his people to inherit the earth. He doesn't just want us to inherit heaven. He's got things for us right here, right now. God's destiny for us is not that we sit in a corner singing Kumbaya waiting for Jesus to return. He's actually got things for us to inherit. And here in Psalm 37, he actually writes the keys that helped him obtain the destiny that God had for him. So that is why my message today is called The Secrets of My Success. It's not the secrets of my success. It's the secrets of King David's success. The things that he said helped him inherit the earth. The first thing that he says was the key to to him inheriting the earth is it says in Psalm 37 verse 9, he says, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Now I'll be honest with you, when I first read that, I actually thought he was talking about prayer. Because there's a type of prayer that we call waiting on the Lord. So I thought he was saying that if you have a prayer life, you're going to inherit the earth. But that's not actually what that phrase means. In fact, it's more appropriately translated, those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the earth. So what that means is it's the first key to inheriting the earth, to obtaining the destiny that God has for you, is number one, patience. Patience. That's especially so when it comes to inheriting God's promises. Very often God will give us a promise, but it doesn't always happen when we want it to happen. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 6.12 that the promises of God are inherited through faith and patience. I don't like that second bit. I like the first bit. They're inherited through faith. When he says it, and I believe it, that's when I want him to do it. But it's inherited through faith and patience. Some translations of the Bible don't use the word patience. Use another word, long-suffering. 
Sometimes you've got to suffer a long time before God's promises come to pass. David understood this. The Bible says that the prophet Samuel prophesied over David somewhere between the ages of 10 and 15 that he was going to be the king of Israel. But it didn't actually happen until it was 30. So when the promise came, he had to wait somewhere between 15 and 20 years before it actually came to pass. I know in my own life, there's been many times when things like that have happened. Back in 1998, when I was at Bible college, uh, I was in Sydney and we had a chapel service at college. And uh, in the middle of the service, uh, the guest speaker for the day was a man, an evangelist by the name of Al Fury. Uh, he actually called me out and he prophesied over me. And he said, I see you, son, traveling from place to place, preaching the gospel, going from island to island, preaching around the place. I mark you this day as an evangelist and as an itinerant minister, traveling and preaching the gospel. That was in 1998. Fast forward to 2008, and it still hadn't properly come to fruition. I remember I was in another service, and there was a man speaking. His name was Chris Hill, and he was an itinerant traveling speaker at the time. And while he was preaching, the Holy Spirit said to me, you're going to do what he does one day. And even then, it still didn't happen until 2012. So the promise came in 1998, but it didn't actually come to pass until 2012. Now, the thing is this, that was a lot later than when I wanted it to come to pass. But in hindsight, I'm glad it came to pass when it actually happened. Because one of the things I've learned is that God's timing is perfect. Sometimes God will give us a promise and it doesn't happen when we want it to happen. And we get impatient and sometimes we out of order and out of time try to force it. But what we need to understand is we need to have patience in order to see it come to pass. When God gives you a promise, it's almost like a woman that's pregnant. She's pregnant with, you're like pregnant with a promise. Now we've got three sons and one of the things I've learned about pregnancy through my wife is that around about the seven month mark of pregnancy, they're done. They've had enough. Women are like, I want this thing out of me. But here's the problem. If they give birth at that time, it's premature. It's not as strong as it otherwise would be. And it needs a little bit of time and assistance in order to see it through. If you give birth any sooner, you risk aborting that thing. And in the same way, when God makes us a promise, sometimes we try and push it out too soon. And what happens is we can either make it premature or we can abort what God is doing. We need to have patience if we're going to inherit what God has for our life. One of the things I've learned over the years about God's timing is that God has a ripe time for every promise. Uh, in our backyard, uh, we have a lemon tree. And um, I, I come, you know, a lot of my family are really good with gardening, but I'm terrible. Uh, and so with our lemon tree, uh, the thing I learned was this, you have to pick the lemons at the right time. If you pick them too soon, uh, when they're green, they don't ripen off the vine. So I've learned that uh, off the tree. So I've learned you have to pick them at the right time when they're ripe. And I don't really know when that is. And so I've come up with my own homespun method for deciding whether they're whether the you know lemons are ripe or not. What I do is I go in the backyard and I take my sons out there and we have a game of soccer. And uh, in the midst of that, at one point I'll kick the ball uh, towards the tree. Often they will hear on after it. And invariably, one of them will hit the tree. Uh, if the lemons start falling out, now I know they're ripe. 
And in the same way, when God has a promise for you, sometimes you know it's right because it just starts happening and there's grace upon it and it starts moving. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, there's some people here, God gave you a promise years ago and you try to make it happen, but it was out of order. And you try to hack it off the tree and you try to shake it off and it wasn't the right time. And you thought, maybe I missed it. No, you didn't miss it. It just wasn't the right time. But God wants you to know if you step towards it now and give that thing a bit of a shake, you might find it falls out in your hand. We need to have patience if we're going to inherit what God has for our lives. The second thing that we need, uh, he says is this. It says this in Psalm 37 verse 11, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The meek shall inherit the earth. When I first read that, I thought it meant doormat. The person that allows everyone else to walk all over them. That's the person who's going to inherit the earth. But that word meek doesn't mean that. It actually means strength under control. Jesus actually quotes it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. He says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And what it means is this, that you're willing to do whatever God wants you to do, even in those times when you feel like doing the opposite. Uh, it's strength under control. It means don't remove yourself from the dealings of God. Another way of putting it is it's obedience even when you don't feel like it. Now, David understood this. There was many times when David had to prove his obedience. In fact, that's one of the reasons why it's, he has known as having a heart after God. You may have heard of people talking about how David, it was said that he had a heart after God. And, and I've heard people preach on that. And they've said things like, David had such a heart after God. The, the evidence was that he was a worshiper. And he was such a worshiper. And because he was just always worshiping, that was a sign that he had a heart after God. But actually, we actually find out in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, why God said David had a heart after him. It says in Acts 13, verse 22, uh, it, it, God, God says, he says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Why? Who will do all my will. What's the evidence of having a heart after God? More than your worship, it's obedience. It's doing what he wants you to do, especially in those times when you don't feel like it. You know, um, I travel all the time and sometimes I travel a lot during the week. And I remember one time when I was in Mackay last year in North Queensland and it was the middle of the week and, and I got this email from one of my son's teachers and the email said, oh, Ben, just want to let you know that this particular son of yours uh, got in a little altercation at school uh, and um, but um, at the handball court. Um, but he's, he's, he's okay. Uh, he was actually defending himself. The other, the other child has been suspended. Uh, your child's not in trouble, but I just wanted to let you know. And it made, him, made it sound like he was beaten up. And I was really surprised because he always wins the fights. So I thought I would just uh, find out what's going on. And I rang home and I rang my wife. I said, babe, could you put him on the phone? And I'm talking to him. He's nine years old. And I said, mate, are you all right? I said, I heard you got in a fight. He goes, oh, yeah, dad, I'm fine. He goes, to be honest, I could have bashed him. <laughs> he said, but I didn't. I held myself back because you raised me right. That's meekness. That's obedience, even when you don't feel like it. Every one of us at some point in our destiny have to prove our obedience to God. Don't get me wrong, the Christian life is a fulfilling life. It's a life full of joy and peace and that sort of thing. But there are moments 
Well, we have to be obedient even when we don't feel like it. And you will find it's in those moments that you prove yourself ready to handle some of the other things that God has for your life. I mentioned to you before about that conference I started in Mackay and we started in 2001 and it was very difficult to get going and, you know, I had to put a lot of work into it. And 2005, uh, the, the Lord led me to move to Brisbane, uh, called me to move to Brisbane to start a Bible college called Planet Shakers Bible College. And so I remember at the time I was key, all right, to, happy to go, but I didn't want to leave my conference behind because it was starting to go really well. And, uh, and so I thought, well, maybe I could take the conference with me or maybe I could run it from down in Brisbane. And, and uh, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, no, you've got to leave it here. It belongs here in Mackay. I remember I went back and ran my last conference and I remember it was the last session of my last conference and I was standing on side of stage, I was going to MC the meeting and the preacher was a guy named Matt Fielder and he was ministering and we had a great move of God, it was awesome and it was a really, really top meeting but to be honest, I'm on side of stage and I'm completely depressed. Because I'm just like, man, I'm going to miss this. Why do I have to give this up? And, and I was standing on side of stage and it was like the Holy Spirit came up to me and he said, you really love this conference, don't you? I said, yes, I love this conference. And then he said, it's kind of like your baby, isn't it? I said, yes, it's my baby. I gave birth to the thing. I put all the effort into it. And then he said this to me, which is, I guess is a little bit mean when you've only got sons. It's kind of like having a daughter, isn't it? And I said, yes, she's like my little girl. And then he said, well, she's going to be someone else's wife. He said, you've got to let it go. You can't hold on. So I had a choice to make. Am I going to obey and move on? Or am I going to hold on and disobey? Well, I chose to obey. And little did I know, in hindsight, the amount of earth that God would give to me. What I gave up was so much smaller than what he released into my world. And there may be some people here, and you know in your heart of hearts, the Lord is calling you to do something and you, you don't really want to do it, but you know that he wants you to do it. I'm here to tell you that when you prove obedient, when you prove yourself meek, the promise of the Lord to you is this, you will inherit the earth, that there are more things that God is going to release into your world. And very often some of the sacrifices we make are so much smaller than what we receive in return eventually. The meek shall inherit the earth. The third thing that David says is this. Verses 21 and 22 of Psalm 37 says, The wicked borrows and doesn't repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. Now that's all joined together. It says, The righteous shows mercy and gives, for those blessed by him shall inherit the earth. So what David is saying is this. When you give you get blessed. And when you're blessed, you'll inherit the earth. Now that's entirely scriptural. Bible says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Jesus says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And if we look at the life of David, you can see that he was an incredibly generous man. I mean, he saved up in his lifetime the equivalent of multiple billions of dollars for the building of the temple, not even by him, but for the next generation. Not only that, there was, a time when, uh, there was a time when he was running away and in hiding and with him and his men. And there was a man named Barzillai the Gileadite who came and fed him and all his men. David said to him, listen, I want to pay you back for what you've done. And Barzillai the Gileadite said, don't worry about it. I'm rich. I don't need any of your money. But on his deathbed, one of David's commands was to take care of the children of Barzillai the Gileadite. Not only that, he took his mortal enemy, Saul, his predecessor, 
predecessor, who was his mortal enemy, took his grandson Mephibosheth, who was lame, and allowed him to stay in the palace and would be and was fed and had free board the rest of his life. David was a generous man, and he is saying here that generosity was one of the keys to inheriting the earth. Proverbs 11 verse 24 in the message translation says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, he says, if you're faithful in handling worldly wealth, God will trust us with spiritual riches. And the ability to be trusted with spiritual riches is evidenced by how we handle our worldly wealth. It was so funny. I've been involved in Bible colleges for many years and you see young people come to Bible college and they're so passionate to be used by God and they want to see revival. And it's so funny because one of the things that the Holy Spirit challenges them about is tithing. And it's like, what has that got to do with this? Well, everything. Because if we prove faithful in this, God will trust us with more important things, which is spiritual riches and the lives of men and women who need Him. I told you about that conference we started called Extreme Youth Conference. And I remember the very first one, we had 80 registrants. And I needed in the offering over two nights, $1,200 in total to make sure that we could pay for it. Otherwise, I was going to pay for the conference on my credit card. And so I remember on the first night, I received the offering. We received $364. And I remember thinking to myself, this is awesome. Maybe we'll get the 900 we need on the last night and I don't have to pay for this on my credit card. And on the last night, we, uh, the guest speaker received the offering and we received $9,000. And it was incredible. It was mighty. From that moment on, in all the years I used to run Youth Alive in the region, we, every Youth Alive event was completely free because it was helped paid for by other events that we had put on and through the youth conference. But one of the interesting things I found was this, that Mackay was known as a city where youth ministries were flatlined. In fact, I had many well-known pastors say to me that, youth, that, it was, that Mackay was a youth pastor graveyard. And up until that point, it, it really felt like it, I can tell you. But over the next period of time, things started happening. I remember my youth group started enlarging and started increasing. Same thing happened with other youth groups. In fact, there were other churches in that city that didn't actually have any youth ministries that started having youth ministries after this moment. Before this time, there were a number of schools that were closed to us doing programs and that sort of thing. And from that moment, things started opening up. What happened? God started giving us more and more of the city and it started happening after the young people decided to prove faithful with their finance David says that those who are generous shall inherit the earth the fourth one is this he says in verse 29 he says the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever the righteous so David is calling himself righteous. Now that's hilarious. Do you know anything about David's life? Let me give you a couple of things, okay? One of the things that he did was he committed adultery. Then the lady got pregnant. Then to hide it, he had her husband killed. And yet he has the audacity to say, the righteous shall inherit the land. How on earth... Could David call himself righteous? Well, I think he had a revelation of something that many of us need to have. And that is this. Righteousness is not something we earn. 
Righteousness is something given to us by God. The Bible says we're clothed with righteousness. That's what water baptism represents, that we go down and then we come up and we're clean and whole all through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So many people I know live under condemnation, thinking, and the enemy is always reminding them of the things that they used to do and the life they used to live. And they're just happy to just get by and just happy to make it through without realising that that Christ's grace and forgiveness is sufficient for all of us and that in God's sight, we are made righteous. There is nothing we can do to make ourselves right with God. In fact, the Bible says our own good works and our own righteousness in God's eyes is nothing but a filthy rag. Um, we have three sons and they're all, uh, they're all in school now, uh, which is awesome. And, but, you know, we went through that season of the whole nappy changing thing and that sort of thing. And I learnt there were some rules when it came to changing nappies. Um, one of the rules I learnt was this, that if, if the baby has not done a number two uh, for a couple of days, you don't want to be the person who changes their nappy at the end of that time. Because it's still, it's all in there uh, and it's kind of building up. And so if I'd known that the, you know, the nappy has not been sold for a couple of days, I would do anything to avoid it. Um, you know, my wife would say, Ben, could you change his nappy? And I'd say, sorry, hon, I can't. I'm um, doing the dishes. I'll do anything uh, to get out of it. And I remember one morning I woke up and one of my, bo- uh, one of my boys, it was a baby at the time, he hadn't uh, done number two for a couple of days. And, 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 then I, and then my wife yelled out to me, she went into his room and she yelled out to me, Ben, get in here. And I went into his room and she had him on the change table and she was holding his nappy and she's swishing it around like this. And, and then that night, the night before, we had put him in like a, like a onesie but a sleeping bag. You know, you've ever seen them? They've got the onesie, the sleeping bag. She holds up the sleeping bag. It's that full. And, and, and I said to her, I said, what happened? Did, did the nappy come off in, in the night? She goes, no, no, it was still on. He had burst his banks. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't number two, it was a number three. You ever heard of a number three? And uh, he didn't care. He was just laughing and, you know, he was having fun. And, and so we get that onesie and we wash it. Well, we try to wash it. But from that moment on, it was completely ruined. It was all a filthy rag. This is a scriptural principle I'm trying to teach you. And that is that our own righteousness is nothing but a filthy rag. We're not righteous because of what we've done. It would have been a whole lot different if David had said, you've got to live a holy life if you want to inherit the earth. But he doesn't say that because he doesn't qualify. But he says the righteous shall inherit the land. And he understands that we are not righteous because of what we've done. We're righteous because of Jesus Christ. And the last one is this. He says in verse, uh, verse 34, wait on the Lord, but don't just wait on the Lord. Don't just sit around with your hands in your pockets waiting for Jesus to return. He says, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. Keep doing what God's called you to do. Don't walk away from the Lord. Don't back off. Don't stop. If he gives you something to do, keep doing it. 
keep his way because eventually he'll exalt you to inherit the land. The fifth thing you need if you want to inherit all that God has for you is you need to have persistence. Persistence. That means you need to keep doing what God has called you to do, even in those times when you feel like quitting. The thing about David is that David achieved a lot, but he went through a lot of terrible things. One of the things that, you know, that probably isn't talked about that much, but he had no public endorsement from his dad. His dad was kind of like ashamed of him. So he would have had daddy issues. He didn't get along really well with his brothers. Not only that, his predecessor wanted to kill him. Not only that, he lost the child. Not only that, uh, his own, uh, his own, one of his own sons wanted to kill him. And in the midst of all of that, you would think, you know, there'd be opportunity and a desire to quit. But he said, no, no, if you wait for the Lord and keep his way, keep doing what he's called you to do, eventually he will exalt you to inherit the land. You know, as a Christian, there are times when we're doing the right thing and doing what God wants us to do, but then we get a bit, of, get, get a bit sick and tired of doing it and we feel like quitting. But if you feel like quitting and you get a bit sick and tired of it and you're getting a bit weary, that's actually not a sign to quit. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, don't grow weary in doing good. Why? Because in due season, you'll reap your harvest. If you're doing the right thing and what God wants you to do and you're getting weary, that's a very good sign because it means you're close to your harvest. So don't stop and keep going. I know in my own life, some of the greatest breakthroughs and harvests have come after the point where I wanted to quit and walk away. I remember in 2004, I'm originally from Melbourne. Melbourne's my hometown and, well, city now. And, and um, I was in Mackay and it's such a different culture up there. And, and I'd been there for a few years. And I remember at one point, uh, sorry, started 2004, um, I'd, I'd been there four years. And I was like, man, I've had enough. I'm homesick. I want to go home. The youth ministry was doing okay. It was growing incrementally. But I just thought, you know what? I think I'm finished. I felt so bad that I, made a, I was going to go in and see my senior pastor, made an appointment to see him. And I walked into his office and I was going to sit down. And at that moment, I was going to resign. I sat down. And as I sat down, the Holy Spirit said to me, don't quit. So I'm like, okay. So I just had a chat to him. <laughs> and then I walked out. <laughs> Little did he know how close I was to quitting at that time. In the next 18 months, our youth ministry exploded. In our next 18 months, our youth ministry went into the hundreds. Our next 18 months was a time where much of my ministry reputation was made. And it all happened at a time when I didn't want to be there. So how is it that we can keep going even in those times when we feel like quitting? Well, I think we can learn a little bit from David. Because the Bible says that there were many times where David would go in and go and strengthen himself in the Lord. How did he do that? Well, we know by the Psalms. He would spend time in God's presence. And when you spend time in God's presence, you access His Holy Spirit and His Holy Spirit can fill you with life and strength. That's why David writes in Psalm 51, he says, uh, he says don't let your spirit, O Lord, depart from me. He knew that it was God's Spirit that in those times when he was struggling, in those times when he wanted to quit, it was in those times that, his, that God's Spirit will give him strength and enable him to continue on. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and He basically has two jobs. 
One of his jobs is he empowers. He comes upon us in power. We see it on a few people in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they move in supernatural power. And then the New Testament says it's available to all of us. That after the day of Pentecost, if we want it, His Holy Spirit will come upon us and empower us and we can do supernatural things. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. But another thing the Holy Spirit does is this, that He breathes in and He breathes in life. If you read in the Old Testament word for spirit is ruach, which means breath. We see that in the Old Testament. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, that God made man and he, and he made his form, but he wasn't alive yet. And then he grabbed him and breathed his spirit into him and he came to life. Spirit means breath, it means life. We see it in Ezekiel 37. The Bible says that the prophet Ezekiel is told to prophesy to a valley of dry bones. The dry bones come together and they stand up a mighty army, but they're still dead. And then he prophesies the breath, the Spirit of God. They go into the army and they're raised to life. Spirit means breath, it means life. In fact, Jesus Christ at one point grabbed his disciples and he said, hey boys, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. Spirit means breath, it means life. A couple of years ago, I was having a lot of health problems. I was getting man flu like you wouldn't believe. And, um, but I was getting so sick. I was, get, I was sick for weeks and weeks at a time. And my energy was really running low and, and I was feeling absolutely terrible. And for about 18 months, I was constantly getting sick and I wasn't getting any better. I had to start cancelling uh, some of my ministry engagements and that sort of thing uh, because I wasn't well enough. And I, my energy was running so low. I remember I'd have a nap every afternoon. I remember even at one time I, could hard, I couldn't exercise hardly at all for months. I remember I went to the, uh, to the gym one time and did a 20-minute light jog on a treadmill. And then afterwards I got back in my car and when I drove home, I couldn't get out of the car. I just had no energy and I just felt absolutely awful. Uh, I decided, I thought, I need to go see a doctor about this. And I went and saw this doctor and they did these blood tests on me. And they said, listen, you're really low on adrenaline uh, and you might have a thing called adrenal fatigue. And I'm like, what's that? And they said, well, adrenal fatigue is when you've had a past stressful experience and it's affected your adrenal glands and and, uh, you have really low energy and it takes a long time to get over. I said, how am I going to get over it? They say, well, it might take years and you've got to completely change your lifestyle. You might even have to give up ministry. And I thought, oh, no. You know, I was feeling awful. So now I'm like, I've got to change everything. And not only that, now it might take me years till I start feeling better. In the meantime, my wife was waking me up in the night and in the morning and saying, babe, you were snoring the house down last night. And I remember even one night, a a few times I was waking up choking in the middle of the night. One time was because she was doing it, but the rest of the time was... And I I knew it got really bad because my sons at the other end of the house would wake up and they'd say, oh, Dad, you were bad last night. You were snoring really bad. And I thought, okay, I better get this checked out. So I went went and got a sleep test done. After getting the sleep test done, I got a report back to me and they said, you need to go and see a sleep specialist. I said, okay. So I went and I saw this sleep specialist and he said, listen, um, you've got a thing called sleep apnea. Which, and I said, what does that mean? He says, you stop breathing in your sleep. And I said, is it bad? And he says, well, severe sleep apnea is when you stop breathing 30 times every hour. 
He said, you've been stopping 45 times uh, every hour. And he said, so you never drop into REM sleep. You never have any deep sleep. You're oxygen deprived. And that's why your immune system is starting to be affected. I said, well, what do I have to do? And he says, well, uh, you need a thing. We need to get more oxygen uh, in your lungs. And so we're gonna, you need to buy a thing called a CPAP machine. Now, a CPAP machine, I remember I've seen some old blokes with it. And a CPAP machine is when you've got this thing on your nose and it's got a hose to a machine and it pumps oxygen up your nose. Uh, and I thought, oh, no, I've gone old before my time. Um, and, and, you know, I tried it on and you put it on and it blows the no- oxygen up your nose and down your throat and you can't open your mouth because it starts gushing out of your mouth. Makes you sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, could life get any worse? Anyway, two weeks after using that machine, I started feeling like a million bucks. I was feeling so good. I stopped needing so much sleep. In the past, I couldn't get out of bed at 7.30 in the morning. Now I was getting up at 5.30 without an alarm just for fun. Um, I didn't need a nap in the afternoon. In fact, I find it hard to. Even today, I try to have a nap in the afternoon. I got up yesterday, 4.30, caught a plane, went to all these football games, went to bed late last night, got up here this morning. And even then, this afternoon, I still couldn't sleep. I was just feeling absolutely charged and feeling fantastic. In fact, there are some times in the afternoon, I have so much energy, I'm looking for things to do. Now, that is not me. That does not not happen. I, I went from not being able to exercise every day. I could exercise twice a day if I wanted to. And it all happened like that. I thought I needed all these massive sweeping changes and a long period of time to start feeling alive again. In hindsight, though, all I really needed was some breath. Some of you here may be feeling spiritually dry feeling like you can't hang on and do the thing that God has called you to do. Well, maybe all you need is some breath. That you just need the Holy Spirit to breathe new life in you again so that you can feel strengthened and reinvigorated and fired up to continue doing the things things that God has called you to do. And so tonight, what I want to do is this. I want to pray for people who are saying, you know what, that's how I feel. I'm feeling, I'm feeling spiritually weary. I'm feeling like I know I'm doing what God wants me to do, but I feel like walking away from it. There are some people here, you actually feel like walking away from the Lord full stop. That you, tried, uh, that you tried walking with Him and you felt like it hasn't worked out the way that I wanted uh, at the, in, you know, in the way that I thought. But God wants you to know if you just keep on walking and keep on hanging with Him, eventually you will be exalted to inherit the earth. And so I want to pray for people who are saying, you know what, Ben, that's how I feel right now. But before I do, maybe there's some people here and you haven't allowed God to make you righteous through Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves righteous. In fact, as I said to you, the Bible says that our own righteousness is like a filthy rag. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves right with God. All you can do is turn, give your life to Him and hand over your life to Him and make Him the Lord of your life. And maybe you're here and you have not done that before, but you want to do that tonight. Could I ask everybody here just to close their eyes and bow their heads? If you're here and you're saying, that's me, Ben, that I have not given my life to Jesus Christ. I haven't allowed Him to make me righteous and right in God's eyes. 
If that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me tonight. That's what I want to do. I want to turn and give my life to Him. I want to be made right in God's eyes. I want to have a relationship with God. If that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me tonight. I want to turn, give my life to Him, be made right in His eyes tonight. Secondly, maybe you're here and you're saying, Ben, you know what? How you're talking, that's how I was feeling, how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like I can't persist. I'm feeling that I just can't keep, I, I can't keep His way. I'm feeling like I'm spiritually dry and fatigued. You know, one touch from God's Spirit can bring you back to life again. One touch of God's presence can help make you on fire for Him once again and rejuvenate and revitalize you. We've all been there from time to time. David was there, but he said that in those moments that we access, that we that he accessed God's Spirit. And maybe you're here, and that's what you need to do tonight. If that is you, right where you are, slip up your hand and say, "That's me. That's how I've been feeling, and I just need the breath of God, the Spirit of God." to come, to touch my life once again, to breathe new life into me. If that is you, put your hand up. There's many hands there. That is awesome. That is awesome. Church, could you stand to your feet? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.